Hey, and welcome to today's episode of Off the Circle. This is Ryan Grimes, and I have Harry Howe with me. Today we have Shannon Anderson of Earth Charter Indiana and Ann Laker of Indiana Forest Alliance here on Off the Circle. Listen to indie-based entrepreneurs and business people, their experience and expertise. Have some laughs and learn along the way on this episode of Off the Circle, the Indianapolis business scene like you've never heard it before. Your hosts are Douglas Carr and Ryan Grimes. Hi, this is Ryan Grimes. And Harry Howe. Ann Laker. Shannon Anderson. Welcome, ladies. Thank you for being on our show today. Uh, today's theme is our forest. You know, Indiana is a very green state that, so far as what we think. Um, but, you know, we're, we are not the experts. And that's why we called in the experts today. Um, Anne, would you like to tell us about Indiana's forests? Sure. Well, I want to ask you a question first. Have you ever been hiking down in Brown or Monroe counties? Oh, of course. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, the forests are one of the treasures of our state. And uh, so that's why it's special for us to have you folks with us today because mm-hmm. we're certainly interested in having them around for our children and grandchildren. Very well said, Harry. I could not <laughs> agree more. So I am the communications director at the Indiana Forest Alliance, and our mission is to preserve our native hardwood forests ecosystems for the enjoyment of all. So that sets up a big challenge that you might not imagine. You know, 200 years ago, if you were a squirrel, you could jump from treetop to treetop across Indiana and never touch the ground. That's how forested we are. We were. Now we are less forested, as, as you can probably tell by looking out the window here in downtown Indianapolis. Um, but we do have some forests worth preserving. We have public forests, state forests. So We've all probably been to a state park, but state forests are supposed to be where you can have kind of a more rustic wilderness experience. And these forests, unfortunately, are not being treated very kindly by our own uh, Department of Natural Resources. So if you do go on a hike, say on the Tecumseh Trail, that's like kind of the Appalachian Trail of Indiana. Um, it runs through Morgan, Monroe, and Brown counties. You'll see a lot of logging and evidence of logging, cutting down trees in order to generate revenue for our state government. This is a policy that we are uh, vigorously fighting against. <laughs> um, and we're fighting in favor of setting aside some of these state forests so that they could not be logged, so that we can enjoy them, let the forest take care of itself, have some kind of heritage that represents Indiana, natural heritage. And also for the critters and creatures out there. Well, that, that's interesting. Who, who are your adversaries in this battle? <laughs> oh, or, <boy. laughs> uh, well, um, it's actually the, the head of the Division of Forestry. His name is Jack Seifert. And he is um, uh, his plan, and this was started under Governor Mitch Daniels, is let's cut down trees to, to pad the state's budget so that we don't have to allocate as much for the, for the division of forestry. So they're logging kind of to make their own budget. So for us, this is, you know, a contradiction in terms. And, you know, we understand timber is a big business in Indiana. 
Um, but we don't have to log all of our publicly owned forests for that purpose. So that's why we just like to set aside a certain portion. Sure. So Shannon, let's uh, turn over to you and, and you and I were chatting briefly before the podcast, and I understand congratulations are in order for the documentary Little Warriors. Tell us a little more about that, and uh, for those who would not be familiar with that documentary. Absolutely. Um, we've been very fortunate to work with several talented interns over the years, and re- most recently, one of the interns that came to us, um, Sam uh, Miro, who's a d- director of this uh, short documentary, created a film about our uh, youth leaders, um, our climate kids, we call them sometimes, who helped put together, draft, present, prepare a resolution to Indianapolis City County Council. Um, on climate recovery. The climate recovery resolution basically promises that Indianapolis will be carbon neutral city by 2050 and also uh, allows a provision for a youth advisory council to the mayor on the important issue of climate action here in um, Indianapolis. So those um, young people uh, testified to the committee uh, and saw that uh, resolution go all the way to the uh, mayor's desk, and he signed it um, this year. And Sam made this great film about those young people and the process they went through to get this passed, um, and also briefly followed the kids in Carmel who did the same thing just before Indianapolis, and now Lawrence actually passed their own. And so that's been added to the film too so, uh, at the very end. And uh, the film was uh, the Audience Award at Indie Film Fest. Um, it just won the Spotlight Award at Heartland, our own film fest here. And um, it's heading to Napa Valley Film Fest here in November. So we're really excited about that. Shannon, how do you and Anne work together and cooperate, uh, you know, in in this mutual effort? Yeah, we're very lucky that we have a lot of great organization partners here in Indiana, and we all try to be um, as helpful, I think, to each other and work in coalition on some of these big issues. Um, I'm lucky that I work for an organization that takes such a broad scope on sustainability. Um, there really isn't an area we don't touch into a little bit, whether that be waste management, uh, forests, uh, energy water, conservation, food, and everything. So um, we like to, you know, cast a wide net on climate resiliency. So um, obviously forests are very important to us and important to our state, not just for tourism and and, uh, enjoyment, but also for carbon sequestration. They're an important tool in fighting climate change. Earth Charter, I'll just say, is a a great organization that uh, really focuses on positive solutions to our environmental challenges and uh, connects us with kind of the Earth Charter is actually this inspiring document that just says we all have a right to a clean environment and it connects that environment to the well-being of people. So it's all about people. But Shannon's right. You know, the environmental community in Indiana is is uh, strong, getting stronger and stronger. I think there's younger and younger people working on it. So it's a force that will be reckoned with. So um, in our conversation so far, young people have come up on a number of occasions. And, and so as uh, we have opportunities to influence 
our children and, and grandchildren. Um, and what would you say would be something that uh, we would want to model for them? And then, Shannon, I'll ask you your thoughts. Well, the first step, I think, is the most wonderful one. Spend time in nature and uh, with your family and uh, get to know it, get to love it. Indiana is a beautiful state, and it's worth protecting our environment. Step two, don't be afraid to speak out to your elected officials. Put your elected officials on speed dial, or <laughs> so to speak. Um, do not be afraid to speak out for what you believe in. Your elected officials are supposed to listen. Shannon, what would you, how would you respond to that? Well, we definitely at Earth Charter believe in the wisdom of youth and we want to put their voices forward as often as possible because it is very much their planet that we are borrowing from them. Um, and we would like, you know, people who have young folks in their lives who care deeply about their, their planet and their future to get involved. And like Ann said, go outside, see the, you know, beautiful forest of Indiana so they know exactly what's on the line. Um, and then also, yeah, step up and know that they have a role, um, in policy and in advocacy that they can appeal to city council. They can appeal to state lawmakers just like an adult can. Maybe they can't vote yet, but their voice matters tremendously and they should be involved, uh, as soon as they want to be. And, um, and if they're interested in learning more about climate change or what's going on in Indiana or even positive solutions, they can always come to us because we host a summer climate camp for kids in conjunction with Peace Learning Center. So we'd love to have them in the summertime take field trips with us and do pollinator counts and learn about climate science and some of the things they can be doing in their schools. So uh, your conversation about going outside and taking a hike and so on reminds me of um, something I heard just this morning. I don't know if you're familiar with David Allen getting things done, but uh, he he was saying that um, one of the reasons that uh, kids spend so much time on their phones and video games and, and so on is they're replacing the sensory overload that one has when they're outside because they're not spending time outside where there is this sensory you know, so much sensory things going on and, uh, you know, because fewer and fewer kids are outside for one reason or another, they're replacing it with this artificial thing. Hmm. So I don't know. Uh, we'll have another podcast on that, Ryan. You're the IT oh, guy. Yeah. <laughs> you you would certainly be able to answer yeah, that question. Yeah, I'm the parent that if, has if many we, limits on his kids' if, technology. If we, had, if we had time, I'm sure you would be able to answer that. But you know what? At the same time, we we live in a house that backs up to woods. Uh, we have, in fact, we we weren't supposed to have that house. We we're supposed to have a house on the other block, and our builder said it was going to be six months before we could get into it. And at that point, I'm like, I'm not living in an apartment with three kids and a dog for six months, and, and my wife too, of course. Uh, <laughs> like that's just not happening. Like, well, we got this other house that is it's like ninety percent done. You want to go take a look at it? And I said, sure, I'll go take a look at it. And we walked out the back door, and it was just woods. And it was, it's on the, the backside of a cul-de-sac. So our front yard is like the size of the studio, but our backyard's like half an acre. And I was like, well, we'll just take this one. Like that's just beautiful. We, you know, we've since put a fire pit out there and we've cleared some of the dying ash trees out, but it's just a really nice place to go sit. Like 
there's hawks back there. There's deer. There's coyotes. Uh, there's snakes. Uh, <laughs> there, I mean, we've even had crawfish in our backyard from the stream behind us. So I mean, just all the stuff you just, and mosquitoes, unfortunately. Um, but all the stuff like you just don't get down here anywhere near Indianapolis. Like we just, we just sit outside and listen to it. And it's amazing. Uh, we actually have to close our windows at night in certain times of the year just from all the noise. Oh, I love that sound, though. It is. It's good until you hear a rabbit get eaten by a coyote. Oh. That sound is something you will never forget. It was like the third night we were at our house. We all woke up like, oh, my God, what was that? And it, it was a, it's a terrible shrieking sound, if you've ever wondered. Um, it's awful. And a dog was going crazy and the kids were scared. That's nature. It's nature. (laughs) But we've also had deer walk right up to our back door and then eat our trees that you know, eat our apple trees we just planted so like, okay that's not a good idea um but it's just it's just nice to be out there just sit out there and you can see the stars and you can go relax at the fire pit down there and just not worry about anything and it's really nice to work out there and i work in a lot of technology and it's yeah i'll, I'll go sit outside and just be like i'm turning the phone off and i'll go outside and just get away from stuff for a little bit so very you got to respect the forest <laughs> The forest has many benefits. Exactly. So as a normal human being that has a family, what is something I would not know about Indiana energy or forests or anything that, you know, it just, it's not in the news. We haven't heard anything about it. What's one thing you would like people to know? I have one. Um, Did you know that Indiana has more different types of salamanders than the Amazon rainforest. Wow. We have an incredible amphibian population. Yes. We um, have those blue-tailed skinks. Those things are yes. all over our backyard. Yes, yes. We've seen them. And the Indiana Forest Alliance conducted a study in this 900-acre tract of the Morgan Monroe State Forest, and we found 4,000 species of fish, mammals, birds, insects, spiders, you know, the whole bit. And that was our goal, just survey this this area of forest to find out exactly how biodiverse it is so we're you know we live among many creatures so are there things that are being done well so you know you're concerned about some of the things that you wish weren't taking place but to have that diversity that you just mentioned perhaps there are some things that we need to reinforce and uh, applaud. What what would those be? Um, I mean, we have some organizations across the state that are called land trusts, and those organizations buy land to for those specific purpose of preserving it. So you know they do a good job. The Central Indiana Land Trust, the Sycamore Land Trust in Bloomington, those are good. Um, and, you know, it's not like the Department of Natural Resources is only doing logging. I mean, there's, you know, uh, some land is set aside, but we'd like more. We think there should be more um, because the the population of our state in relation to how much land is available for wilderness recreation, it's a pretty low proportion. So we can, uh, we need to demand, I guess, more more public land that we can enjoy. Shannon, what can you be optimistic about? Um, 
Before I started working on a lot of the projects I currently work on for Earth Charter, I came off of their bicentennial project, which was called Sustainable Indiana 2016. And one of the things I actually learned during that program, um, which tied in with the Indiana Bicentennial, was kind of how much Indiana has changed in the last 200 years. And some of it, you know, very positive um, things we celebrated about our state's history. But one of the big losses was our state's forests. I mean, somewhere around, somewhere around 76% deforestation of our state, um, mostly for agricultural and residential and things like that purposes. Um, but uh, that's a little heartbreaking. And so the Bicentennial set out to dedicate and protect some, through Bicentennial Nature Trust, um, some spaces, uh, uh, wild spaces in Indiana. So it seems a little troubling to me that um, the state can kind of, uh, say how important that is to have those wild spaces with one hand in honor of the bicentennial and then at the same time demand that a uh, budget shortfall for um, the Department of Natural Resources be made up very much with portions of our state forests. So, um, but I'm optimistic that Hoosiers care about trees and they care about wild spaces. Um, and I think more and more people are starting to see the, not just economic value of that in terms of tourism dollars, but the essential uh, character of the state's value in keeping those spaces wild for um, generations to come. So young people care about it. Older people care about it. You know, professionals who live in the city care about it. And so I think if those people all kind of come together and speak out, you know, this is something that our state will have to prioritize going forward. So I'm encouraged that young people are speaking out um, along with other people. And these are not kind of Republican versus Democrat issues. I mean, this 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 crosses the crosses the range, as you said, of age and and political persuasion. One of the things that Earth Charter does that's so exciting is they every year they get mayors together from different Indiana towns and they trade, they kind of brag, well, my town is doing this. And, and it's, it's a wonderful way to find out what are the greenest kind of efforts going on in cities like Crawfordsville or uh, South Bend. Sure. And I think that, you know, mayors care a lot about urban forests as well. You know, that's something that we've seen over, you know, recent years is uh, urban trees being taken very seriously because they they bring a lot of benefits to a city. Um, so that's something we're excited about. And I appreciate Anne for plugging our Climate Leadership mm -hmm. Summit, which entered its second year this year with lots of cities involved. Um, 17 cities officially evolved this year. And we're glad that mayors are taking such a serious uh, stand on climate action um, for the future of their residents. So if someone listening to this podcast thought to themselves, oh, well, I'm one of those people that is concerned and I like our forests and trees and I want them to be around, you know, what would be one thing beyond just going out and taking a hike that somebody could do who says, you know, I, I'd like to, you know, let my voice be heard. How would one do that? Well, um, following either each of our organizations on social media is a great way to just find out what's happening when right away. Um, the Forest Alliance also has a really fun event coming up on November the 4th, which is a Saturday. 
There's this amazing place in southern Indiana. It's actually in the Hoosier National Forest. It's called the Lazy Black Bear. And it's like a, a lodge where um, we're going to have our annual meeting. So we're going to talk about strategies for saving the forest for the, the next year. And we'll also be having a square dance and a potluck dinner. <laughs> so join us if you'd like a road trip um, and uh, want to experience uh, a really cool um uh, kind of farm type place. The Lazy Black Bear is amazing. I was just there actually. It's a lovely place and you can walk out into the trees and it's a unique spot and a very pretty part of our state. Um, I would say that the, the first link I want people to have is iga.ion.gov slash find dash legislators. So if you go to the iga.ion.gov site, there is also a tab for finding your legislators. If you didn't know who they were this morning, you should know by this afternoon, put their numbers in your phone, give them a call. They're off session right now. So they got nothing but time for you. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's really important. I think people feel like, oh, only political people do that. That's a, those crazy political people that call lawmakers. No, I think everyone has a civic duty to connect with their lawmakers on the issues that matter to them. And you don't need to know bill numbers. You don't need to know anything special about the process to make a call. You can simply leave a voicemail if you like, if you're uncomfortable talking to somebody face to face and say, Hey, this issue matters tremendously to me. I want you to be keeping an eye on it because I'm going to be keeping an eye on what happens this year. So, so be more specific about what, you know, the message one might leave. Um, you know, help me out. What, sure. what, you know, what would it be kind of a good script to say, you know, hey, I I am interested, and and I just like you to know this is how I feel. What what would I say? What what's kind of the two one one or two sentence script? Well, I I'm reluctant to give a script because I think it's important people tell their story. I think it's important you connect it to something that's meaningful to you because that's what they remember. So, so, so maybe there's some code words or sure. something that you know. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm I'm looking for yeah. because I you know the terminology and so on and and you know even for example bef before you and I were speaking and you use the word sustainability quite a bit I too use it but we're really not talking quite the same sure thing. I understand I mean I think right now because the issue is very timely and pressing. Um, that people speak up about logging and the Yellowwood State Forest. And so if, if they're willing to make a call this week, um, to the governor and to, or to state legislators and that they could simply ask that we refrain from logging and Yellowwood State Forest because of the sensitivity of that uh, very special area. Um, but I, I would further, you know, urge people to talk to lawmakers about the importance of maintaining wild spaces. Um, and setting those aside from logging in general, because that's, I know, an issue that IFA has been working on diligently every year in state legislature, as well as asking state lawmakers to take very seriously the issue of climate action. That's not an issue they hear about often enough. And so I think if people start chiming in on that, that maybe the, the tide will turn in the Indiana State House. Mm. So, you know, Anne, what would you say to somebody who says, look, you know, it's just one person, it's me, you know, what, what difference is my phone call going to make? 
I would say we're lucky enough to live in a democracy such as it is, and that using your voice is really the only thing you can do. I mean, it's it's the thing that you can do. Um, so why not do it? It's kind of like voting. Why wouldn't you vote <laughs> since you have the right? Um, if if no one did, there where would we be? So it's kind of a why not kind of thing. And and Shannon is right, very specifically right at this moment. Um, the Forest Alliance and our partners are working closely on trying to protect 300 acres in the Yellowwood State Forest. This is a forest that has like at least one tree that is as old as the Civil War. And so it's a beautiful ecosystem that doesn't need to be logged. So we have generated 400 comments to the DNR. We've generated hundreds of postcards, letters, and calls to Governor Holcomb. And uh, we have about uh, 10 days to uh, make our voices heard on this issue and make it uncomfortable enough so that Governor Holcomb might reverse uh, the plan that's that's uh, set up right now. So the plan is already in place to log that forest, and you're trying mm-hmm. to overturn the decision already made. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, <laughs> we've actually had uh, some success before, believe it or not. You may have heard last year there was... Um, some very old trees at the Crown Hill Cemetery that uh, were going to be cut down. And our organization and our partners uh, successfully got that plan reversed. So it does work. I mean, we've had, you know, seven-year-olds going on television, you know, making a case for this. We've had, yeah, fifth graders writing to Andre Carson. We've had, I mean, if you feel it, you know, speak out. We have an event coming up in conjunction with Spirit in Place on November 5th at the Anthenaeum from 2 to 4 on local climate change solutions. And so it's a lot more than I can get into now. But if people are interested in hearing about some of the great projects that uh, we and a couple of the organizations are working on um, and want to be sort of part of that conversation, then Spirit in Place event, um, it's November 5th at um, 2 p.m. at the Anthenaeum. And you can check that out. One of our youth leaders will be speaking at that, actually. Um, so and then, you know, we both agree that upcoming events that are worth a note are um, the Greening the State House, which is uh, December 2nd at uh, Hendricks County Fairgrounds from 9 to 4. And that's the biggest event this, you know, during the year on state environmental policy hosted by um, the Hoosier Environmental Council. And that's a great event for people who want to get their toes in the kind of kind of work that is making our state more sustainable. Um, they want to find out lots about what's going on in terms of the policy angle of these discussions. So, And it's a good place to get hopeful and fired up as well and educate yourself about all the different environmental issues that we're, we're fighting for right now. So, Ann, how, how are you able to maintain your hopefulness when sometimes, you know, you lose the battle and see, you know, what you cherish and hold dear kind of uh, cut down. And uh, so how how do you maintain a perspective that enables you to continue to be passionate? Was it Martin Luther King who said the arc of history bends toward justice, something like that? If enough people care, then we have momentum. 
And yeah, we, we may have a loss, but we're making ourselves known. Um, the Indianapolis Star recently hired an environmental reporter, which is awesome. That person is doing a lot of more coverage than there was of all of these issues. There was a survey done of 800 Hoosiers, and I think that, oh gosh, 60 or 70% said that protecting the environment is more important than economic gains. That's huge. I don't think, I admit, I was surprised when I heard that. I didn't know that many people were seeing it this way. So let's not, you know, fool ourselves. There are lots of people that want to protect our environment. It makes sense. It's protecting ourselves when we protect our environment. So I have bad days, but, um, but mostly it just feels like we're, there's more and more people who agree on this. So it's something good's going to happen. A quick question about energy. We're talking about energy in, in Indiana. You see these solar farms going up. Um, do, is it some, are solar panels and farms like something, especially in Indiana where our sun is not necessarily in the same place it is in Arizona, uh, or, or Texas or a lot of those, is it making a difference? I mean, that's the big question out there. Is that something that's actually doing something positive or is it something to make ourselves feel better that like, Hey, look, we're doing solar, we're trying, um, you know, what is, is it actually making a difference? Well, um, energy issues are a big passion of mine. Um, I, I love that this year we are installing huge record numbers of solar installations across the state, but there's a reason for that. And that's because the state legislature changed the policy on, um, residential solar, ending the program called net metering, um, for solar homeowners, uh, and very much disincentivizing the investment in solar that a resident here might make. Um, so there is a, like a last minute surge as people are trying to get those systems approved and installed before the deadline passes at the end of this calendar year. Um, I do love that people are taking solar seriously and I love that we are getting more installations around Indiana. Um, and it is a great state for solar, despite what people might think. Yes, we're not Arizona, but we have a lot of sun sunshine during the day and you don't need a lot of sunshine to produce excellent, you know, solar energy. Um, but we're also a great state for wind and other kinds of renewables. So I think that, you know, people, uh, need to know that, you know, our state has poised to have that renewable energy transformation that would be better for our air and our, our cardiovascular health and things like that. But it requires sensible public policy to get those things going. And um, what I've unfortunately seen in recent years is lawmakers and policymakers uh, kind of digging their heels in on uh, fighting this natural energy transition. Um, we could be doing a lot more to incentivize solar and wind here in Indiana. Um, and we could be helping homeowners get solar, which helps lower their bills and helps provide grid stability and things like that. Mm -hmm. But we're not doing those things. Um, and a lot of that is because of uh, um, political rhetoric and not because of uh, economics. Um, renewables are cheaper. Um, and we are holding on to expensive and dirty uh, fossil fuel-based and primarily coal-based energy um, to our own detriment. Do you know some people that have solar panels on their home or business? Not big, not large no, scale, no, but I drive by the airport every day, so I see those over there. Well, I, I, one of the 
the clients, one of my clients, has a client that I'm working with uh, who is building a solar farm. It's uh, Wayne Township Schools is yeah. building a solar farm on their property. Schools are all over it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, my aunt actually had a, a windmill built on their school property out in uh, eastern Illinois, and that electricity generated by that windmill powered the school district and like half the town wow. for free. Wow. And the fight they had to go through to get it in was nothing short of ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> people were complaining the shadow is going to kill their crops. And, uh, <laughs> just like pulling out stuff like, oh, it's going to hurt the birds. It's, and it's like, it's one windmill. I mean, <laughs> it, it, like the ones up in Lafayette, it, it wasn't even that big. I mean, it was like half the size of those monsters up there. And the, the fight people get over this stuff is absolutely, I can't even imagine what it's like fighting with people all day long yeah. about, about stuff that just seems like it's common sense. <laughs> like, why would you not want to harness the stuff that's blowing by my house at like a hundred miles an hour? <laughs> why would I not want a windmill up there to, you know, offset some of my energy costs? Because... It's expensive. Energy is very expensive in Indiana. Yeah, Would you, you like to run for mayor? <laughs> when you work, you're very convincing. In, when you work in, in sustainability issues, you get to hear a lot of the counter arguments to renewable energies, the intermittency problems, the the sun doesn't always shine, the wind doesn't always blow, and you know the birds and the bats. And you know it's important to understand those arguments and you know to be able to acknowledge that yes, wind turbines kill birds, but it's on an order of magnitude less than coal pollution. You know, it's on two orders of magnitude less than house cats, you know, <laughs> so it's important to acknowledge that. And we do care about birds and we do care about bats and things like that, too. And there are ways to help, you know, bats during migratory season by feathering the blades of turbines during the evening hours when they're moving around the most and things like that. But I think that the challenges of renewable energy, the intermittency, the storage issues are so much more exciting to solve than mm -hmm. what to do with huge amounts of coal ash toxic yeah. radioactive coal pollution sitting next to the banks of our rivers things like that so yeah, what i'm could go wrong? i'm excited <laughs> about i'm excited about solving those systems mm -hmm. of you know renewable energy and distributed energy those things are great problems to solve and i think give challenges to young mm -hmm. engineers who want to stay in indiana and work here and develop careers here that's part of the equation we don't talk about enough is trying to keep young talent in indiana doing these things, solving these challenges and providing these future jobs um, because those people are not going to be going into coal mining. That's not a job of the future. This is, <laughs> this is, it's time to acknowledge that young people want renewable energy. There's several studies that have suggested that it's, um, it's so important to them to live in a place that has renewable energy and they want it for their homes and they want more choices um, over their energy needs and things like that. Yeah, I think uh, what uh, Tesla just got the Puerto Rican Children's Hospital up and running with battery packs. Aww. They imported battery packs down there and they're running off of solar now where we couldn't fix it the old fashioned way. The, the new way is it just they're like, OK, it's done. It's up and running. And it's, it's, it, it took them like a week or so to get it up and running. I mean, this stuff is changing so fast. And even with cars and, you know, burning fuel, uh, if you look at, you know, Tesla and GM and there are a lot of these hybrid cars that you can get 50, 60 miles on a battery now that cost you $2 to fill up at your house, all of a sudden that's a, that's a game changer. Um, that's really changing how our world is going to work with all that air pollution not out there. 
to be you know breathed in by our kids and grandkids and I would be remiss not to mention energy efficiency as part of this um, mm-hmm. issue um, that if people really care about issues related to energy and they can't maybe afford to go solar this year um, you know one of the things that everyone can do is to get an energy efficiency audit um, to look at their energy footprint and try to see where they can reduce and use power more efficiently low flow faucets and um, you know insulating pipes and things like that. Um, if everyone can, you know, take that as like a personal mission, that's something we can all be involved in and all the utilities offer, you know, audit programs too. So people should take a look at that, especially as we move into winter and higher heating bills and stuff yeah. like that. Turn off the lights. That's going to stay around my house a lot with kids. <laughs> well, this is where it gets fun when you mm-hmm. start to geek out about, about new possibilities, <laughs> new technologies, new inventions. Mm-hmm. I mean... Aren't we American? You know, isn't this what we're proud of ourselves for is, is being so creative and leading the world and new ideas. And we have some catching up to do, but, um, we, uh, it's all right there. You can taste it. You can taste new ways of designing our cities and designing our machines and tools and creating our energy. It, it's all very possible. And don't let anyone tell you it's not. <laughs> No, and it's, it's it's a lot of simple things that will just add up. Turning lights off, you know, shutting windows when the heat's on or the air conditioning. You know, this is all stuff that I go through at my house. <laughs> and I'm like, this is dollars running out of my wallet with what you're doing here. <laughs> and it, you know, and we're just an average family. You know, there's several, you know, thousands of us around, and any little change people can make makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. But I think we definitely. I mean, I, I want to. I personally want to get an energy audit just to kind of know where things are going, and they're free. Um, and do you, and either of you know what the website is for that? It's like a generic website or something. It's like energy audit. You can go either through your utility. Okay. Um, I know Energizing Indiana still that does provide some auditing, but that, that program was also canceled by our state lawmakers a couple of years ago. Um, and unfortunately, very unfortunately, uh, because it gave us, a, an energy goal, savings goal for the state. Um, and that's something every state should have, um, an energy efficiency goal, uh, because, you know, goals are important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think what we're kind of talking about is, you know, we can all make personal choices that, um, are, are good for the environment, but we have to be making policy changes as well. So working on both levels is, is the best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So if you're going to tell people one call of action to take away from this that they can do right now as they're listening to this podcast, what would you tell them? I'm going to invite people to visit the Indiana Forest Alliance blog, indianaforestalliance.org slash blog, and read about this forest in Yellowwood that is under threat and then take the selected or take the actions recommended there, which is primarily contact the Governor Holcomb. That would be huge. We we we're, we want to do a full court press, and all you have to do is say, you know, I want this forest protected. Period. Oh gosh, this just is one. a very hard <laughs> question. It's hard. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell people what I what I've told others when they've asked me what's the most important thing you can do for your planet, and I think it's to 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 decide and be honest with yourself that you care, because I think that's the foundation of all of this. If you decide that you can't go another day without like being engaged in this very much battle for survival. Um, then there's all kinds of things that become possible for you. Um, phone calls you would never have made before. 
letters you would have never written, you know, composting, you would have never started doing. (laughs) So I think that, you know, people have to have an honest talk with themselves and accounting of like, how, how serious am I about this, you know, preserving the planet for the next generation, um, protecting biodiversity, you know, uh, making sure our oceans, our air, our waterways are clean. Um, if you're honest and you say this matters, a whole bunch of things become necessary and vital for you to get up and do every single day. And then you become one of us. <laughs> you never stop. Well, and if I can make an observation, you know, when we um, started and I, I knew that you were going to be on the podcast, you know, it, my initial reaction was that your world is way away f- from mine to some degree in terms of my work with uh, some of the entrepreneurs in town of the younger technology companies. But uh, one of the things that I've, you know, observed through the conversation today is certainly one thing we have in common that I share with my clients is the importance of having a long-term perspective. And, And to some degree, that is certainly what you're, we haven't used that term yet, but that's what you're talking about is, you know, don't make the short term decision, have the long term perspective is so important in, you know, how you live day to day and the actions that, you know, you choose and values you try and instill in your children and what you try and model in terms of how we, the choices we make about, um, the forest nature as as well as decisions having to do with um, sustainability as you define it. Yeah, yeah we all like to breathe. <laughs> we, all, we all like to eat. You know, we all like to not be blinded by the sun, not protected by ozone. No, we like to do those things. You know, protecting our planet is very important. And it's, you know, I, I, I agree. I'd like it's, if we're not going to do it, then who will? We're all very future oriented. It sounds like your your work is about helping people design their their vision for a company or some future idea and we are working every day to, you know, think about the seventh generation, you know, what who comes after us and what 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 are they going to find? Yeah, our industry is notorious for kind of wrecking what you do, you know, with technology <laughs> and power consumption. It's been ridiculous for years. And finally, big companies like Apple and Microsoft are starting. I mean, Apple had a video on how when you turn in an old iPhone, they recycle like 99% of the parts in there. And they made like out of all the iPhones they recycled, they made like $100 million in gold off all the connectors or some ridiculous amount of money like that. It was astronomical, but they take apart. There's a machine. It was, it had a name. I, it was like Lucy or something like that. And like, they watch Lucy take apart this iPhone. It, it takes the whole thing apart and recycles the entire device. There's cool. no waste whatsoever. So mm-hmm. it, it's time for us to move forward on this and not just say, uh, I'm going to just ignore these issues because, you know, Hey, I don't, I don't smell coal. <laughs> But, you know, it's coming closer and there's less forests. You know, these things are going away if we don't do something about it. So I just want to say thank you to both you ladies for being on today. This has been a very great show. This is Ryan Grimes with Harry Howe. And thank you for being on. This is Off the Circle. 
If you're an Indianapolis business and would like to be on Off the Circle, contact us at offthecircle.com. Off the Circle is recorded at DK New Media's State-of-the-Art Studio, the Speakeasy in downtown Indianapolis.